Welcome to Level Up. I'm Sherelle. And I'm Danny. And this is the podcast where we talk about health, fitness, and mindset. We're really uh, stopping the separation between health and fitness because there is a difference really for us to get lean on stage as a competitor often health was put in the wayside and oh it's normal to lose your period and all of that so I'm excited to be able to talk about some of the differences between males and females when it does come to nutrition training performance and all of that Um, so if if I could ask you what the number one difference is I suppose between males and females when it does come to nutrition what would that be? So from a physiological and biological standpoint, the number one um, sex difference is this neuropeptide called kisspeptin. Now, kisspeptin is very sensitive to um, the nutritional status in both men and women. But the threshold for turning off the endocrine system is way lower in men than it is in women. So women are very sensitive to missteps in caloric intake to carbohydrate. Um, and some of the first things you start to see when kispeptin starts to get downturn is thyroid dysfunction, lowering of your resting metabolic rate. And then a few months down the line, you start having really irregular periods or a, a misstep in what your regularity is of like really heavy bleeding for two days and then it stops as opposed to five or six days of your normal cycle. So when we're talking about like men being on fasted diets or keto diets, it's because the threshold for a perturbation is so much different than it is women. And this is where I think a lot of that nutrition um, information starts to become a misstep, where we assume that everything from a threshold standpoint and from a genomic standpoint is the same. And even right down to muscle mitochondria, you know, the oxygen powerhouse, right? There's different gene expressions that get turned on through estrogen um, in women that don't get turned on by men. So from a metabolic efficiency standpoint, where you're trying to do like higher fat, lower carb works for men because they don't have the same genetic predisposition for having a greater capacity for fatty acid oxidation. Mm. Women are there. And the more exposure that they have to low carb, the more that kisspeptin gets picked up. So it's mm-hmm. a very fine nuance. And this is where that conversation in the nutrition space becomes so convoluted because all this data keeps being pulled over from you know male data. But then when you dig down into a little bit deeper into endocrinology, into physiology, into some of the genetic stuff, you start seeing why we have these sex differences in responses. That's really interesting. That is really interesting because all we hear about, right, is testosterone and estrogen. So it's, it's you know, and it's that's very black and white. It's like, oh, yeah, men have 10 times more testosterone. That's all that gets thrown around. Um, and it makes me question, you know, all these um, macro calculators and, and you know, the numbers mm-hmm. just mattering the most. It's, there's so much more to nutrition than just carbs, protein, and fat. Oh, so much more. Like we know specifically from research that's come out in the past three years, it's not about the total calorie intake. It's about the timing of when you're eating and how often you have protein doses. And it's different in men and women, like especially Mm. when you're looking at stopping that catabolic state. So recovery post-exercise, sex differences there too. So the longer you withhold food and the longer you stay in that catabolic state, the more you feed back to that kisspeptin, right? So if you're in this mm. breakdown state and kisspeptin's like, whoa, I need food, it gets that signaling in women to that metabolic cascade of turning down resting metabolic rate. But for men, it's like, 
I'm in this breakdown state. Okay, well, I'm going to start releasing more amino acids and start trying to fix that problem. Mm-hmm. And this is where we look at if you back end your calories in the morning and the night and you stay in this breakdown state the whole time in between, which is pretty much intermittent fasting for the most part. In women, you start to put on belly fat and turn down your resting metabolic rate and get endocrine dysfunction. But for men, they lean up a little bit more and they lose body fat because their body's trying to get them out of that state instead of succumbing to that state. It's the mm. complete opposite, isn't it? Wow. And all you yeah. hear about in the fitness space these days is how carbs are bad, how mm. keto is great for performance and mental clarity. And it's just it's yep. just BS, a lot of it. It's really important to know how important like carbohydrates are, like to fuel your training, to be able to like train hard and grow the muscle tissue that you want and optimize like your body composition yep. by the sounds of it. Yeah. And even like in, I talk about how men do so well in low carb stuff, but if they don't have carbohydrate with their protein, then their testosterone drops. Like you need carbohydrate with protein to get that anabolic response and keep that testosterone boost to get what they want out of muscle hypertrophy and muscle repair. And women you need carbohydrate and, and protein, of course, for muscle protein synthesis, but also to help keep that kispeptin turning over to keep endocrine function up. It's very mm-hmm. sensitive particularly to the carbohydrate intake. So there's little nuances of, of why you need to mix them and when you need to mix them between men and women. There's different responses. Mm-hmm. So how regularly should a woman uh, consume protein? So it depends on age, really. So in, when you're premenopausal, reproductive years, you're really looking at the dosing in your meals and in particular right after exercise to get that muscle protein response. But when you get to perimenopause and postmenopause, it's about dosing on a regular basis to keep amino acids circulating because you need to have a greater amino acid pool for brain function, for the synthesis um, or the signaling for muscle protein synthesis and not the muscle degradation. Mm-hmm. So again, there's different nuances across the age, but um, the way I really tried to explain from a practical aspect is when you're younger, you just think about every time you eat, you have some protein and be very particular about the dosage post-exercise. Mm. Now, when we get into the peri and post-menopause where appetite gets a little bit muted, protein fills them up too much. I'm like, you have to think about when was the last time I had protein? Has it been more than three hours? And you should probably have a little bit more. Yeah. So it's just smaller doses across the day. Yeah, it's interesting because every time you go to the GP, I suppose we we get, um, you know, different recommendations as well. And so how much protein for, we'll bring it back to sort of the young athletic population before we move on to peri and postmenopausal, but how big should a serving size of protein be? The general recommendation sort of by using the food pyramid would be less than a kilo uh, of protein per body weight. Um, but what's the recommendation for athletes? Like how much protein should we have? And then can you overconsume? Uh, so, I mean, we're looking at research in, in resistance trained athletes for the most part, because that's where most comes from. Mm. And we know that in um, athletic men and women, you're looking at around that two grams per kilogram of body weight per day. Um, and it's relative to body weight. And so it doesn't, it's not a sex specific thing. It's a timing when it becomes a sex specific thing. When you're in a heavy comp stage and you're looking at calorie restriction, you want to boost that up to around 2.8. Because we know that if you have a high protein intake and calorie restriction, you maintain lean mass and you don't have Mm. endocrine dysfunction. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's good to know. Like what Danny said, the recommendations for like, you know, being sufficient are pathetic. That's recommended by your doctor and your GP and everything. Uh, That 2.8, like it seems like a lot of protein. Um, It's quite easy for people that like Danny and myself, we probably easily put back 150 grams quite easily with our habitual sort of food sources and um, eating. So, you know, I think it's really important to understand that it is about the timing. Would you also say the quality of those protein sources has a big yes. importance as well? Yeah, because when we talk about protein, people will be like, oh, well, I have soy. I was like, well, no, it's mm. 50 grams of soy will match the bioavailability of 25 grams of whey because of the leucine content and the essential amino acid content. So it really becomes the quality of the protein that you're taking. And it's a bang for your buck, right? So I work with a lot of vegan athletes now. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I have this protein powder. Like you got to put some branch chain amino acids in there, fermented mm-hmm. preferably, uh, because it's all about boosting that leucine content. Because leucine is so essential in women, not only for MPS, but also because it crosses the brain barrier, just like estrogen and helps with mental fatigue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, it is about the quality, definitely. Mm-hmm. 